on both ends. Like you're taking care of financially, like small kids or maybe even older kids. And you have aging parents that are getting sick. God forbid, like you have to like financially take care of the parents too. Right. Think about it. Then you're working to support yourself and your family and your aging parents. Hey, everyone. My name is Al Gugliotta, and I want to welcome you to The Unlearning Project. All right. Hello, Virginia. Hey there. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) Today, we're talking about the bubble. And I put slash the sandwich generation. Mm. So where I got the bubble from, which I thought was like a really funny thing, was I was watching a Bill Burr comedy skit. And he talks about how like when you have kids, you literally just get in this bubble and you have no idea what's going on in the world. (laughs) You have no idea what's going on with music or culture, with anything. You're just in this bubble. Yeah. And he... The way he does, he like runs around the stage. He's he's like, oh my God. He's like, these things are shitting all over the place. I got to feed them, make sure they don't die. And you're just doing that for 20 something years. Yeah. And then like, he's like, finally, like you get them all through college. Say you have four kids, you get them all through college and you like step out of the bubble and he does this whole like thing. (laughs) And he's like, and then you go back to your, you know, you go back to your record player and you play your old music and he's like you know like this old music that like, you're so far out of whack and out of touch with like what's going on in society because so i always thought that was funny the bubble like that's the bubble that we're in kind of yeah absolutely and it could have a negative connotation but it's just it is what it is it's one of those things it can turn negative if you have sick people and financial problems and people are like financially dependent on you. So I wanted to kind of go through because I know we're both in it and I'm, I feel like I'm kind of, maybe it's not even so much of a bubble as like a timeline. I feel like I'm kind of on the, almost the tail ends of the bubble. Like I'm pushing through that bubble, like within, I don't know, another four to five years, but then something could happen. So we never know who knows shit can happen. Yeah. I think it's a season for sure. It's like a large season of life. Like once you decide, okay, we're starting a family and then all the things that come along with that. And then of course there are many seasons within that from zero to 18 year old kid age range and timeframe. Right. Because I definitely can look back and think about when the kids were under three, that was a season in itself. And all we did was teach them how to eat and change diapers and take them to Gymboree class and take them to the park. And you're constantly, you know, reading books and your whole life. Yeah. That's all you do. 24 seven. Yes. All you do. And just now my kids are seven and nine. Mm -hmm. And so they're still very young, but we're starting to be like, there was a couple of times where they both ended up at practice for a different sporting event or whatever. And friends, they carpooled or whatever. And so both of us were home and we just kind of looked at each other. We did not know what to do. Yeah. We were like, like, are there dishes? Like, should we do something? Like, right. You're so used to do you being want a in vacuum. That. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it was so awkward. It was like, should we take a walk? Like, we did not know what to do. Well, that's like probably like a little smidgen of 
being like an empty nester, right? Yeah. Like your kids are out of the house and you're like, now what? Yes. We were very much so starting to have the conversation of, I think we need hobbies. (laughs) We need to get lives outside of our kids' lives. Right. So true. Yeah. And even last night, my husband's friends were texting and trying to arrange something to watch some game on TV together. Mm -hmm. You can tell how much of the details I pay attention to. (laughs) But he was like, do we have anything Friday night and blah, blah. And I was like, no, that's fine. And I kind of saw his phone later and his response to like all the texts were, I would like to see friends. (laughs) (laughs) Just that was like his, I would would like like to to see see friends. friends. (laughs) I felt so bad. I was like, that's just how it is. All we do is work, kids. come home, arrange things for the kids, take them to arranged things, and put them to bed and feed them. Right. And do it all over. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. That's all we do. So tell me, that's my life, you know, with like seven to nine-year-old. And your kids are a little bit older. Yeah. We're not that far off. 12. Well, so one's turning 12 this week. And then... Mia's 14, going on 15, mm-hmm. going to be in high school next year. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. But they, I mean, it's a few years difference. Mm-hmm. It's not that far off. But now they're like so independent. So it's like, it is. It's super easy now. I think it is. I mean, you have different mm-hmm. worries. And yeah, you still got to like drive them around, do stuff like that. But you're not like, it's not so much pressure of like, what are they doing? Where are they? You almost feel like, more of like a protector guardian when they're younger. Now it's like, whatever, they're fine. (laughs) (laughs) They're fine. They're fine. They're doing their thing. Even if they're home, generally I can hear where they are, what they're doing, or if they're playing nicely together or fighting or starting to escalate and I can catch it before it turns into a brawl. But yeah, like if they were home, if it had gotten quiet, I'd be like, Al, Hang on, I need to go check on them. Yeah, that's way too quiet. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But I'm sure you're like, oh no, like Mia's just on her phone or something. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and again, I feel like on the tail end of it, but it's weird how like the human mind works. It's like you create problems out of thin air. Like mm. in the absence of problems, you create more problems. It's not like one thing goes away. So say the kids grow up, your parents either passed away or they're in good health. There's like things you're not worrying about on either side. You're not living a carefree life either way. But when you're in that sandwich generation where on both ends, like you're taking care of financially, like small kids or maybe even older kids and you have aging parents that are getting sick. God forbid, like you have to like financially take care of the parents too. Right. Think about it. Then you're working to support yourself and your family and your aging parents and I think one of the toughest parts in all this is that there's no timeline, like a deadline or no finish line to this. Mm -hmm. Like you don't know when it is. Right. Your parents could pass away tomorrow or they could live for another 10 years being sick. Right. It's almost like the sandwich generation concept compounds on the pressures that you already feel during those bubble years. Yes. Like you decide you're going to have kids, hopefully, and you start a family and all that's going great. And then you don't even realize you're kind of entering this bubble. Right. You're handling all the things, taking care of all the things. And then all of a sudden mom's sick or dad's or dad doesn't have enough retirement money or like whatever happens. And you are suddenly feeling the pressures of being in that sandwich generation Mm -hmm. because you're 
cure the peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> yeah, if it's enough pressure just to take care of kids and then you yes. throw something else on top of something else on top of that. Absolutely. So you're kind of worrying about like your parents' health, your children's well-being, your own financial health, your own well-being, like your mm-hmm. relationship with your spouse. I mean, there's so many things going on in that bubble sandwich generation. And they say that's why that period of time in people's lives are generally the most miserable. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there's good times, but it's just, it's heavy and it's very overwhelming for most people. A lot of people have tough time handling all that, which I completely understand. In general, what are the ages? So sandwich generation is considered 35 to 54. That's what I read in a few different just journals that I was reading through. And they're saying half of the adults in America that are in their 40s and 50s are part of the sandwich generation, meaning they have parents that are 65 or older. They don't talk about health, just that you have parents 65 and older, Mm -hmm. and you're raising either a small child or supporting a grown child. Half of the people in our age group are doing this. They're in that dynamic. Right. And so as their parents get older, their health doesn't usually get better. It gets worse, right? No. Right. For everybody. I mean, it's just the way it is. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting because like, I'm on the tail end of it and I look back and I'm like, now the kids are like pretty easy, 14 and 12. I mean, it's pretty easy. They get along, they take care of themselves, they cook, they clean. They're self-sufficient for the most part. They can go out to the store, walk down the block. They could pretty much do what they want. I don't feel this sense of like, I used to feel very on edge when they were young. Because it was always in the back of your mind, like, where are they? What are they doing? What are they doing? Mm-hmm. Now that's kind of gone. Both my parents passed away. So that's over. Mm. I know that sounds harsh, but like, it feels, I had a drum teacher that told me this. It was when my mom was sick and I was telling him about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, my mom's sick and I'm dealing with this stuff. And he's like, mm-hmm. my mom passed away like five years ago. He was a little bit older than me. And he's like, dude, I don't envy you at all. He's like, I'm Mm -hmm. so glad I'm where I'm at, that I'm over all that. I would want to go through that shit again. I'm like, yeah, I was listening to him, not really thinking about it. But now after the facts, you can just tell that his sense of relief yeah, of just like, oh, that time period was just blows. And that's the difference of you at that moment being inside the bubble, very much inside the sandwich generation. And then now a few of those things have fallen off. And maybe you're not out, but you're like... I could see the... Speaking (laughs) through. I'm like, yeah, just like... (laughs) Right, I'm just... Unfogging the mirror of the bubble. Open a window. Yeah. Yeah. Can I get a glimpse through like a keyhole of this bubble? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So you start to see like the light at the end of the tunnel, right? And very much so, like when you're in there, his advice didn't really help or hit you do anything at that moment. You're just listening. But then now you're like, oh my gosh, he was so relieved. And you're probably there now or closer. And if anything, I thought what he said was a little bit like, not shocking, but it, was, it wasn't it was what I was expecting. I was expecting him to say, I wish I had my mom back or I wish mm-hmm. like, but he was more like, oh, thank, I'm just glad that's over. Yeah. I was like, ooh, I'm like, that's a weird thing to say. And that's different than saying, I'm glad she's gone. I'm sure right. that's not the case. <laughs> no, it, I don't but think it's he was like saying it that way. Right. personal decisions and turmoil and struggle and Yes. Time crunch and just all the things that you face when you're the person making those decisions. Yeah. And just the pulling on the heartstring of just like watching this yeah. person that, you know, and just you want it to be over at some point. 
And all of what we're saying goes without even talking about our own personal things that we want for ourselves. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about all like your hopes and ambitions and just things you want to do. I want to learn how to play tennis or I want to learn a new language or Mm -hmm. an instrument or I want to start a new business or I want to travel to these places. And yeah, you don't even realize that like all of that stuff can be put on hold indefinitely. So like out of nowhere, you find out something happens with your parent or God forbid a child and then things just change. And yeah. So it's really hard to like, whenever anybody says, you know, you got to be grateful and you got to be appreciative of what you have. I always struggle with it Hmm. because I am, because I think of the things we're just talking about of worse things could always happen, right? No matter how bad you have it, millions of people have it so much worse. True, true. But then it's sort of like in your mind, I think that belittles what you're going through. It does. So it's this weird mind fuck where you're kind of, You're trying to be grateful for what you have because you know things would be a lot worse, but you're Mm -hmm. feeling the tension or overwhelm of the moment. You're like, well, I should just feel okay because people have it worse than me. And you're like, but I don't feel okay. I think that creates more tension than what's actually even going on. It's that internal struggle of, I should feel better about my situation. I'm healthy. My kid's healthy. Yeah. But you don't sometimes. But I think that... (laughs) I can't phrase it correctly now, but I read something a while back that was your stresses and the turmoil that you feel now about the situation, no matter what it is, it could be the most awe-shocking, horrible situation that has ever happened to anyone. Mm -hmm. But when you're the one facing it and you're the one in the trauma and drama or whatever, it is everything to you. Everything, right. That's your little bubble. Yeah. And- Maybe, yeah, sure, someone else somewhere else has a worse situation, but that doesn't change the impact that your situation is having on your life and your mental state. And true. It's like you can't compare. Yeah. That's funny you say that because like then it makes me go down a rabbit hole of thought of it bothers me when I see people that have it easier than me or where I perceive to have it easier <laughs> than me complaining. I don't know. And there's the comparison, right? <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is this person complaining about? I'm like, they got two healthy parents. The parents are babysitting their children all the time. Mm-hmm. And they're still compl- like, oh, God, we have it so tough here. You know, we got built in grandparents taking care of. I'm like, I never had my parents taking care of right. our children. Like, we were always. We never had help. Yeah. What a stupid way of thinking because it, it's proving the point of like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, so I had it one way, but that's all I knew. They have it a different way. It doesn't make their problems less than mine. Right. But that proves the idea that each of our brains is only focused on our problems and it can't yeah. actually comprehend other people's problems because we're not the ones experiencing that. Right. That's and true. And so, too. like, your brain is always about you. And it's just that natural, selfish, (laughs) but that's survival too. It's just the self-involved. Yeah. You're just in your world. But that's survival. Like if you don't have that, some would say healthy or unhealthy, whatever, depending on how you look at it, comparison to, Mm -hmm. you got to compare it both ways, like to outside sources, kind of do a little mental check to see if you're doing okay compared Mm -hmm. to whatever your standards are, but then also comparing yourself to 
your prior self, like maybe two years ago? Have things been getting better? Have things been getting worse? What changed? Well, that's an awesome point. The idea of like seeing all like, imagine digging a hole. Mm -hmm. You're always thinking about how much deeper you have to go instead of looking at all the dirt that's behind you. Yes, the big pile. Like you've Mm -hmm. actually done all this work and you're always comparing yourself at this present moment to what you want to be rather than at this present moment to what you were. Yes. A lot of times it's good to look back and say, look how far I've come. Yes. That's hard. And even in the bubble, kind of like what you're talking about with what your drum teacher was saying, you couldn't compare what you were going. I mean, you were just so deep in it and handling so much as your mom was sick and needing you to look into a different facility or transfer here or there, surgery, like whatever was going on. Yeah. And small kids and just trying to keep it together. Yeah. Yeah. It was literally like a blur. That's where I really feel compassion for people is that a lot of people are in that blur where it's just, mm-hmm. it's beyond overwhelm because you're just like, you don't know what the hell to do. Yeah. And so you're just kind of in this state of like almost, it's just a fog. You're living in a fog. Like you just mm-hmm. don't know. You got the little kids, you got work. You got parents, things are just fluctuating and you're like, I don't know how to do this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So we were thinking about the selfishness and like self-involvement and just how you're in this world of you're taking care of other people and you're maybe not neglecting, but your internal dialogue is that I'm taking care of everybody. I have no time to myself. Mm -hmm. All my goals are on hold. My life's not progressing. And this could go for years. When you're in it, though, you're not even conscious of that thought. Mm -hmm. It's when you have a little time. Yes. Like you don't even realize you're pushing off your own goals or your self-care or your health or like whatever the case is. Because just think about the aspirations that you had when you're like 18, 20, 25, whatever the age was, Mm pre-kids. All the aspirations, what you thought your career would be how much money you thought you had or like whatever the measurement is by the time you thought you'd buy your first house or have this certain car by this age or (laughs) whatever your goals were at the fantasies of like the lifestyle you'd have as an adult, how like, yes, you know, you always think like the future is going to be better and more adventurous and more exciting. And even now you probably think that, right? Like, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My future is going to be so much better than right now. Right. And then absolutely you wind up in this paradigm where yeah. it can be considered a prison to some people. Like some people didn't either. I mean, I guess that everybody for the most part chooses to have kids, but you didn't choose. Maybe you didn't know what that entails. Yes. I, <laughs> <laughs> we have known people in our lives where mm-hmm. when we decided to have kids, we waited seven years. We got married. And it wasn't like we were going to wait seven years. That wasn't part of the plan. But as we would talk about things, we would realize like this conversation, well, I want to do this first, or I want to do that first, or I want to be at this level of whatever first. Yeah. And so we are going through enjoying life and being a young married couple and waiting to have kids because we're like, oh, you know, that sounds like a lot of responsibility. And we knew very deeply that it would change our lives because that's part of what we wanted to, like, we wanted to commit ourselves to making sure that we focused on our children's health and wellness and mental stability and all of this good stuff. Mm -hmm. We had other friends that they were like, my life won't change. (laughs) That 
Okay. Like, it's just a baby. Like, you just take them with you. Oh, man. I had the same friends. Okay. What? I didn't know. You- yeah. <laughs> and we were just like, dude, we need to talk about this. Like, hold, wait, <laughs> hold up. Hold up. I want to, like, let me take a step back in your story here. All right. So, you're talking about these friends that are like, yeah, you know what? You just, yeah, put the kid under your arm, put on a baby Bjorn. Take them with you. Go travel the world. Mm-hmm. But were they saying this to you when you had kids and they didn't? Yes. Yes. So that's when it happens. It only happens when they don't have them and you do. And even for a while, even with young kids, you're still. Everybody has those friends. Yes. <laughs> and you're able to like handle it or kind of walk that tightrope for a little while when they are very young because you can still have a barbecue at your house and like have the baby and put them down for a nap and host friends. And you can still deal with that for a little while. Yeah. And some people are very conscious of this and they navigate it very well, but we just didn't. There's definitely a period where we just kind of shut it down. We're like, Mm -hmm. nope, can't go. Sorry. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. And so meanwhile, there's those other friends that don't have kids yet or whatever. And they're like, or they would just have a different idea of what their family structure looks like. Like maybe they have a single income maybe a high income earner and the other spouse stays home. So they're like, oh, my life won't change. I just go to work every day. And right. my husband and I have tried very much so to share the roles. And so we're just looking at each other like, oh, they do not know what they're in for. No clue. See, those people pissed me off. <laughs> I guys get really mad at that. <laughs> yeah. Because like I'm sitting there like scrambling and they're telling me, oh, when I have kids, I'm just going to take them with me. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be like, you guys, just put them down. We're fine. And they, those were the same people that said, like, put my mom on a cruise ship when she was oh, sick. Gosh. Or they would say something along the lines of, I could never put my mom in a home. And if my mom ever gets sick, I'm moving her in with me and I'm going to take care of her. I'm like, same people. It's like, yeah. you have no clue of what you're saying. It's not even advice. It's just they're insensitive comments. Insensitive comments, lack of self-awareness, lack of anything. I mean, it's... Yeah, like you have uh, no idea the decisions that I'm making on a daily basis to like help my mom, for example, you know, your mom right? at that time. (laughs) Yeah, and it has this underlying kind of underhanded, like you're not doing things as good as I would. it's not that hard. Why are you making this so hard? Exactly. Why are you making things so hard? You're such a wuss. Like, (laughs) why don't you suck it up, buttercup? Right. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know how we went down that road. I rabble, don't know. But you like that you making that comment about those friends that like, yeah, uh-huh. strap them on the backpack and just go, you know, hike the Grand Canyon with our six month old. Like, no, I'm not doing that. And the funny thing is that there are some that eventually had kids and we saw no one ever because they probably don't even remember that comment. Right. But mm-hmm. we saw them pull into that bubble. In their own lives, like as they had kids and they didn't come out as much and they couldn't host barbecues anymore or whatever it was. Oh, revenge was so sweet when you see that, (laughs) right? It was like, oh, (laughs) the sweetness of. (laughs) But it's funny because it's not even like a revenge thing. Yeah. I know, but it's just like. We get it. We know. We told you. You're so nice. (laughs) See? Yeah, I'm more like, told you so. How no, dare you ever like, yeah, don't lash out at me. Look what you're going through. Why don't you put on a baby Bjorn and take him around the country, huh? 
You want to like pull up the recording from that conversation and like play it for him? Yeah. Like, hey, remember this? <laughs> remember when I was scrambling around my six month old and you were like telling me how easy it is? Yeah. And why not just, oh God, <laughs> well, you got me all worked up on that one. Yeah, that happened. That happened. so animated. I love it. I know the exact <laughs> friends. I picture in my head still friends with them today, but I do remember those moments. Uh, so when you're in that bubble, that's the perfect example of, I mean, you're in it, you're in it deep. You might feel like you're drowning and then you've got people outside the bubble and you're probably looking at them wishing like, oh, it would be nice to go out and have a drink. It would be nice to go like meet my friends. It would be nice to go rock climb, <laughs> like whatever, <laughs> whatever yeah. the thing is. And you can't. And like I said, some people happen to navigate it more easily, or maybe they have the parents that can watch the babies. And so they do get out a lot. They have date nights and all this. Right. Everybody handles it differently, but it is truly a tough situation. And the more that's compounded on that makes it harder, like the sandwich generation thing. Like if you do have aging parents that you're caring for or having to make decisions for. But what were you going to say? I was just going to say, I mean, it's all about the story you're telling yourself about what's going on in your life. Like some people go through everything we're talking about and they're like, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Like I'm taking care of my kids and this is what I want to be doing. I don't want to be doing anything else. Right. I don't care that like all of my goals that I had when in my twenties are on hold because I'd rather be doing this than mm-hmm. maybe there's some person out there that has this perfect way of thinking about it. I don't think you can think that way all the time, but I think it is healthy to realize that sometimes. Remind yourself. Yes. Often. But I did. I don't see it anymore, but I used to have a note on my wall here that I'd written out like, well, in two years, this and five years, this and 10 years, this. Yeah. Have this much in retirement, buy your first rental property, like just life goals sell this thing, do that, buy a new car, whatever. Yeah. For a while, it really did help because I would look at that and be like, oh yeah, this is what I'm working toward. This is, okay, am I doing the things? Am I automating my savings so that I can do this? Whatever. Mm -hmm. And as life goes along, sometimes you switch careers or whatever happens. And you look at that and you're like, well, I'm gonna have to shift everything down. (laughs) Like that, like these timelines are no longer accurate. And I think some people, maybe they get advice. I don't know what it is. And they're able to still stay on the path of, I don't know if you want to say self-care, but like maintaining like, no, I'm still going to go make arrangements for a babysitter and pay extra or whatever so that I can still go to my tennis lessons because that's important to me, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And they stay on those goals. But then some of us don't and Mm -hmm. end up pushing those goals off and maybe they pushed away long term. I mean, it just depends. Yeah, it's true. It's most noticeable, I think, at milestones. So for us, we have realized recently we've been in this house for 10 years. And that's a shock to look around and be like, whoa, I mean, when we bought this house, We thought for sure we would have the kitchen remodeled and all Mm. of these like amazing things done because 10 years sounds like plenty of time for any goals, right, on your own property. 
Right. None of that's done <laughs> still. Yeah. <laughs> and functional, all- but so. And you just are like, well, what happened? Like, why didn't we? And then it only really clicks when you're like, well, in the past 10 years, X, Y, Z, and all these things have happened. Mm-hmm. And you can't help it but look forward and go, oh, well, I'm sure we'll just take care of all of that in the next like <laughs> five or 10 years. Like, I'm sure it will still happen, but it's just. Right. So it's that constant looking forward and optimism. But I think you have to have that because if not, mm-hmm. I just think you're going to go down a hole of depression or something. Yeah. You're always kind of gunning for something mm-hmm. like a future better situation. Right? Yeah. Obviously, you don't want your future to be worse. Right. And you don't want it to be the same either. You want it to be better, right? Everybody wants like a better, compelling future. Yeah. Well, and the milestone thing, I think, is a key point. Because didn't you say one time something about age 40 or 45 is almost like... Peak stress time. Yeah, peak stress or, you know, of course, it's equated with a midlife crisis. But I think what it is... Yeah is really that you're probably looking at those goals that you had when you were 20 and going, none of this happened. Mm -hmm. I have kids and I'm taking care of my mom and I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And you start to get pissed off or... Yeah. And that's why you go out and you buy your Corvette or whatever you do. (laughs) Right. You fight against the dying of the light kind of thing. It's like you're... You see like that light dwindling of your future. Like this is what happened so far. Uh And now I'm in the predicament I'm in now where it just seems like at least the next five or 10 years, I don't have this ultimate freedom to do whatever I want. Where am I going? Right. And like, oh my God, is my life just getting away from me? And then I'm just getting older. Yeah. You go down a bad spiral of thoughts that doesn't lead anywhere good. When we started this conversation, I didn't think about the whole midlife crisis thing. But when you kind of layer that with the age range that you said, the 35 to 45, the bubble concept, the sandwich generation concept, yeah, and then you realize kind of when they start to say, oh, he's having a midlife crisis or something. Yeah. It's men and women. It's not. I know a lot of times it's blamed on men, but it's not. Right. And also like the midlife crisis of like having affairs and cheating, mm-hmm. like that's men and women too. Exactly. Like you're looking for some sort of like, whatever, like adrenaline dopamine rush, because like you're not feeling good about your life, mm-hmm. right? So you want something exciting and mm-hmm. maybe you do it in the wrong way is by drugs or drinking or whatever. Right. I don't know. The midlife crisis, yeah. having an affair, buying a car you can't afford or <laughs> spending too much money or yeah. you're looking for it to feel good. Like that's the whole thing with all this is that all you're really trying to do as a human being is like you're trying to stay away from pain and go toward pleasure, mm-hmm. right? And so in that midlife where you're like looking at your kids, like you love your kids, but they're a lot of work and you're looking forward and you're like, my parents are getting older. Hopefully they're not dependent on me, mm-hmm. but it's not going to get much better going forward. They're going to get more and more dependent. Right. They're going to need more and more help. I'm in this career that's very demanding. So that takes 40 to 50 hours a week. Like I'm on this freaking never ending treadmill and I'm like, I don't know how to get off or feel good. Right. So that causes some problems. And I think that's why you're like, you know what? It'll make me feel great if I could drive around in an awesome car. Right. Or like whatever your weird midlife kind of crisis solution is. I'm thinking about the Botox and the fake boobs or like what what do the guys do? They get. I don't know. I just think of a new car, but that could not be. Yeah, new car, right. But new wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, new car, new wife. Yeah, all the. 
yeah, half the age of himself, you know. Because you're trying to be like, well, shit, I didn't accomplish any of my goals yet. So like I need to like restart and change course. And like you said, sometimes you go about it the wrong way, but I think it like an easy superficial way just to get some kind of good feeling, right? Yes, exactly. And it all kind of makes sense too. I think I've shared with you before about my dad and how my parents kind of fell apart after 20 years. And he was like on the older side of this whole thing, but it was definitely weird to me. And I couldn't understand it because I was Mm 21-ish, getting married. My brother had just graduated high school. And then my little sister was still in high school. And this is all just like making sense now. And I like will Mm. not give that man any excuses, but I'm just like, yeah, he probably looked back and was like, what did I do? What did I accomplish? I'm not where I thought I'd be by this age. And I can't get that time back. Yes. So what do I do? Right. And yeah, it's not giving him an excuse. It's understanding mm-hmm. that mindset that got him into that predicament. Not mm-hmm. that he deserves, he's still responsible for his actions. Exactly. You can at least understand, right? And see like maybe what his thought process was. And realize where we are, you and I both separately in this season, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. And they could be long. That's the whole other thing is that I think I mentioned it earlier that like, what's the price of putting your life on an indefinite hold? Mm -hmm. I think we're smart, like, especially, but I'm not saying we're smart people. I think we are, (laughs) but we're very like conscious and mindful people. Like we were thoughtful people. Mm -hmm. So we were thinkers. So we think about stuff. Yes. So when, you know, I'm 49 years old, I think to myself, I'm appreciative that like my parents are gone. Mm. I'd want to have them back healthy. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to have them back sick. Right. I wouldn't want to have them back just to have them back and then just watch them be sick. Yes. And like your drum teacher said, like you suffered through that. You wouldn't want to suffer through it again. You navigated it. It was what it was. I'm happy it's over. I mean, I think the same thing with like the pets I had to put down. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I would want them back healthy. I wouldn't want them back sick. Right. I wouldn't want to go through that again. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to just have them back in any Mm -hmm. state. Like, I don't know. Oh, no. Like all your memories, when you think about those pets or your parents or whatever, in general, those memories that you would wish back, those are from a good time. Yes. Those are from a healthy time. Right. Vibrant. Yeah. When the pets were puppies or young in their lifespan or whatever it was. Same thing with your parents. Younger, active. Your memory's probably about something at a park or an event somewhere out, functional. Yeah. Not pushing them around a home on their last days. Yeah. When they were independent, right? Physically and mentally independent. So yeah, now that all that stuff is kind of passed... Your mind just creates different problems, but I wouldn't want to go back to those. Right. It's the same idea as like, I wouldn't want to go back to my 20s. I don't want to live my 20s over again. No, thank you. Yes. No, I agree. And the midlife crisis thing, I don't think, I think it hits people in different ways. I think some people, I think my midlife crisis was just a long extended reevaluation of like, Mm. again, having those fantasies of when you were in your 20s, like you said, like all your goals and ambitions and this. Like, I always thought I wanted to be like a rock star and I want to be rich and I want to jet set and just do all that kind of party all the time. And then you hit 49 years old. You're like, I don't want to do that. And (laughs) 
I'd die if I did that. <laughs> you know, like I would not like recover well from those kinds of experiences. So yeah, that rock star lifestyle would do you in instead of doing you good. <laughs> yeah, but it's weird. Like just because you're 49 doesn't mean you just completely forgot about like you were still you when you were in your 20s. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those fantasies just kind of like linger. Just mm-hmm. as like a lot of like the things, a lot of your insecurities of when you're younger linger as you get older. They don't just go away. Right. I always thought like if you're 20 and you're insecure about something, when you're 50, it's all gone. No, it's not all gone. It's still there. Maybe you've learned to live with it. Yeah. But like something can happen that'll re-trigger that and you're right back to when you're 20. Mm-hmm. So something I've been more and more conscious of as we get older or maybe it's business or whatever, but I will notice people that I think are doing amazing things. And my first instinct, especially social media and stuff like that is like, wow, look at this business. Like, how did she do that? She's so far ahead, you know, kind of that immediate, oh man, how could I ever get there? Right. I'm so far behind. And then I try to take a step back and say like, well, how long has she been in business? How old is she? When did she start this? Does she have a team? Mm -hmm. Because I guarantee you it's not just her. And I start to really step backwards and look at the, and that's a very like businessy analogy. Yeah. But that's what I notice because your first instinct is to go, oh, wow, look how awesome their life is Mm -hmm. or their business or their kids or whatever it is. But then when you really look at it, they've been working hard on this for 10, 20 years. They just maybe now made it big. Right. But when you go back and you look and you search, and it's the same thing. I mean, I see 50, 60-year-old amazing women on stage doing a speaking event or whatever it is, and they're killing it, and I'll envy them. And then I have to step back and go, wait a minute, you're not even 40 yet. Yeah, they're 20 years ahead of you. Yes. That's one point. But the other point is you see them on stage. Yes. You're seeing, again, not the Instagram thing, but it's so you're seeing a portrait of what they're projecting, right? Mm-hmm. But like if you had like a sit down conversation or a deep kind of heartfelt conversation going into personal issues, they might have all kinds of shit going on, maybe more so than you. Yeah. And they would tell you some of the same issues that you're dealing with as that 20 years younger or whatever it is. And I think it's the same thing with kids. If you talk to some parents that have teenagers, kind of like us to talking. Mm-hmm. Some issues that you're having, I haven't experienced yet. True. It may look so much easier to be in your shoes. Yeah. Same thing. You'll remember what it's like to be with a you know nine-year-old or a seven-year-old. Right. But it's like, okay, but in a few years, I'll be where you are. Yeah. And I don't know. It's so helpful to, like you said earlier, be conscious mm-hmm. of what you're looking at, where you're at within the journey the life goals, did you just totally toss them out the window or are they still there and you're just going to get to them later? Yeah. Just to be conscious of all this stuff, I think it's... And reevaluating them. Are they still important to you? Because a lot of times you just stick with certain goals. There's almost like this mentality in like Western culture and you're probably familiar with it where like you never want to quit anything. Uh-huh. Quitting is always bad, right? Yes. Unless it's like smoking or like drinking, you're like bad habit. That's <laughs> okay. But like, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Anything ambitious, any ambition you have, it's always like you just work until you get there and just pound your head against the wall until you break through that wall and 
you mm-hmm. get to the goal. And a lot of times, maybe you do something for five years and then you don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. But it's very difficult to like do that. So especially with business, right? Like mm. you just say, hey, I'm just going to wipe my hands of that. I'm going to do this. Yeah, start, you know, pivot, <laughs> pivot. There's this undercurrent of like quitting. It's like, no, you mm. can't quit. Oh, what are people going to think? You did this for a while. Now you're not doing it. You're a quitter. Yeah. At least I get a little bit of that with many different things, especially with drumming. I haven't been practicing as much as I used to. And I'm kind of like having those feelings of, wow, I've spent so much time doing this. I'm going to drop it now. Like I got to keep going now. I'm falling behind and, you know. So that's that thing of like, as you grow and mature, it's okay for your goals to change. Yeah. It's okay to not want to be a drummer anymore. Right. Well, nobody cares. No. (laughs) I mean, I care for whatever reason, but nobody's looking at my life and being like, Oh, look at that quitter. He used to be a drummer and now he just stopped and what a loser. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just dropped the ball. He's got no commitment, no ambition. Right. And that's funny because that is all the internal garbage that's in our own heads Mm -hmm. that no one else is thinking. Yeah. And so this is the quote, when you're 20, you think everybody's thinking about you, right? You're worried about what everybody thinks about you, right? Yeah. And when you're 40, you don't care about what people think, Right. Right. And then when you're 60, you realize nobody was ever thinking about you in the first place. Yes. So I always love that quote, a very simple progression of like where your life goes and the reality Mm -hmm. of what's really going on. Nobody really gives a crap. Yeah. (laughs) They really don't. Yeah. And kind of highlighting that, you know, it sounds bad, but like self-absorbed perception of ourselves that we all have, even if you try not to be self-absorbed, you're really only worried about you. Yeah. Sure, you're worried about your kids, your you know spouse or your mom or whatever it is, but really at the bottom, you're just worried about yourself. <laughs> yeah, and also that you think you're being judged when a lot of times you're not. Like so that yes, because all of them are only worried about themselves. That's right. They don't care about you. <laughs> Even the one that's making the comment that like, oh, when I have kids, I'm going to travel the world. Why don't you just pick them up and go? Mm-hmm. I took that so personally, like as a dig against like my whatever parent prowess yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and so <Yeah. laughs> but again, it had nothing to do with me. It was just all them. And I could have easily in that moment just been like, oh, that's just their weird little thing. And they'll deal with it at some point when they have kids. And- yeah, they'll get slapped in the face when they get, you know, when they have kids and they'll figure it out. Yeah. Goes around, comes around. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what do you think being in the bubble, like what is something or now that you're kind of coming out of the bubble, like going back to the whole unlearning concept to wrap up the show, what do you think would be your unlearning moment or concept? Good point. I think that when you're in the bubble, it seems endless Mm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's the feeling I got when I was really deep in it. That I'm like, this is never going to end. This feels like forever. Uh, You can't see the end, even if you try to. It feels like a jail. And that's what turns it into a jail sentence. Even if there's things that you like about it, you just feel like you don't have any options. Mm. Like this is your only option. There's no choice making in there. But what I came to realize now is that things always change. They just don't change on your watch. <laughs> they change, but it takes, sometimes it takes a fucking long time yes. where it feels like a long time, but they do eventually. Yes. So that's kind of what the gist I got. Cause now that I'm actually coming through it, I could see like the light at the end of the tunnel. 
And then I look back on it and I'm like, it really wasn't that bad. It was more my perception. And I've just felt a little trapped. That's all. Mm-hmm. Just I'm used to having like feeling like I have all these different options. I pick up and do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I didn't feel like that when I was deep in it. Mm-hmm. But I think the moral of the story is that it eventually changes just like everything else. It just sometimes feels like a freaking damn long time before it does change. Yeah. You know, not making it good or bad. It's just, it is what it is. I think that's really good perspective, honestly, because I think there's things I can think of right now that I consciously, you know, it's not always going to be that way, but you cannot see your life or yourself without it being that way right now. Right. Like just you have no idea what the next five years holds because you cannot see it being different. Right. But again, when you have, say, when you have like a two and three year old, Mm -hmm. you think you can see the next five years and it doesn't look good. Right. But you can't. (laughs) You're thinking the next four or five years are just going to be real difficult and you're just constantly going to be wiping butts and 24 seven, not getting sleep. And, but then even that changes, you know, then they turn four and they're like, oh, a little more independent. Mm -hmm. And everything just like progresses little by little, almost like watching grass grow. Yeah. And then like, when you look back, you're like, oh, wow. Like I made it through all that. It wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) Just don't look for two weeks and then all of a sudden there's grass. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like this hope. Yeah. Well, I even, we were talking about beginning the conversation about the stock market Mm -hmm. and like, I'm looking at the stock market today and it's not a good day in the market. I'm like this, how many times, you know, in 25 years I have to have like a day like this (laughs) where I'm like looking at everything's red, everything's down. And I get that same sinking feeling. I'm like, I felt this a million times. Mm-hmm. You also got to give yourself a break. You know, sometimes you're just going to be in an emotional state or you know, have a down day or a down few hours or down week or whatever. Yeah. It's all right. And that's okay. Yeah, it happens. I like that summary of the unlearning in regards to this bubble. Yeah, it wasn't sugarcoating it, definitely. Mm-mm. All right. Well, thanks, Virginia. You can reach us or follow us at the unlearningproject.org or just unlearningproject.org. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll come up with a new topic <laughs> in a few weeks. Hopefully you get inspired and it'll be two weeks. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>